0: God said I bring you good news of great joy for all people. And now over the last three weeks, we've done a myriad of different things. We started off with worshiping fully and we had a great worshipful time with Shannon Oaks Church that Sunday night. The first Sunday of the whole series where we got together for an amazing worship service. Then we had a week where we discussed spending less so the next week we could all get together and give more. And man, can I tell you, you guys are absolutely phenomenal on giving more you guys are absolutely amazing we need seven we needed 70 dozen cookies and we ended up getting and we only had 154 dozen signed up to be brought we ended up with 180 dozen cookies somehow at this event so give yourself a hand clap this morning <laughs> We had over 200 people just from our church alone show up to give more, and we created 1,400 gift bags for the employees of the hospital, the employees of the nursing homes, the the sheriff's department, and also gift bags for all the inmates, for all the nursing home residents, and the hospital patients. And so, man, that is an amazing, amazing thing that we did for the kingdom of God, being able to give more. And even a personal testimony I was in Walmart um, getting a Christmas card, and as I was buying this card, this guy came up beside me and said, I just want to. say thank you. And I looked over and I said, I don't have a clue who this guy is. (laughs) That happens occasionally. And I'm like, well you're so welcome. And I said then I said, well what did I do for you? And he looked at me and he said, I work at the hospital and I am not a patient, but I'm one of the employees that was working that shift when all three of your churches came in that night and I was not having the best of days and they came in and gave me this piece of paper and when I opened it up there was a gift card inside and a candy cane, and it just showed that what I do really does matter, and people really are taking notice, and so I want to say thank you, and so give yourselves another hand clap this morning for the awesome job of, of giving more, and, and the outreach that we have in, in this community that we're in, and so today, as we've met the challenge of worshiping fully, as we've met the challenge of spending less, if we definitely met the challenge of giving more, today, the biggest challenge of all is going to be out there. The biggest challenge of, that we ever face as a believer is staring us right in the face, and that is the challenge in the midst of trials, adversities, temptations, anger, fits of rage, to love all, to love all. I saw Facebook blow up this week because of a certain situation that happened and, and what a certain so-and-so said, and everybody came to the defense of one side or the other side, and, and I began to stop, and I began to wonder. It's like... How great of a setup is this for my Sunday morning message? Thank you, Phil Robertson. Amen. I appreciate you. Because in the midst of this, as believers, we're faced with the challenge of even when people don't like us and think we're, and they don't even want to tolerate our views or our belief, we're going to have to step out there and love them. We're going to have to begin to love all in every circumstance, in every situation. And what I love most about the Bible is the Bible says, Jesus said this, in this life, you will have trouble. And Christians are shocked when it happens. (laughs) In this life, you will have trouble. And then when it comes against us, we're like, what? Are you kidding me, God? I wasn't ready for this. Why not? He said it's going to happen and in fact get ready because it may get a lot worse in the future. And I don't want to say will because I'm just going to like let you slide into that and realize that it will get a lot worse in the future. But it gives us the perfect perfect opportunity this morning to talk about loving all. And when we begin to love all, we got to begin to understand what that really means. And a lot of people are thinking, Pastor, I really don't have time to love all. I don't have time to love all because you know how busy the Christmas season is. We got shopping, and then we got food, and then we got shopping, and then we got Christmas parties, and then we got church, and then we got shopping, and then we got shopping, and you know, we got to finish shopping. And that's kind of how the Christmas season goes. And in my household, I'm wondering when we're going to quit shopping. And finish shopping. (laughs) And I'm sitting here thinking, Lord Jesus, I'm so glad you came and I'm so glad you were born. But I'm so glad when this day's over. (laughs) And I know that sounds ugly because here's the reason. Holiday busyness is nothing more than misdirected potential. And when we are distracted with the shopping and the cooking and the shopping and the eating and the shopping and the Christmas parties and the shopping and the work parties and the shopping and the church services and the shopping and the shopping and the shopping, we have so much misdirected potential that we could be using to love all. And loving all, like we talked about last week, is not just doing stuff for people. It's intentionally doing something to people to have a profound impact on their life. And if you missed last week's messages, I don't have time to recap it all, so there's a CD out there, load it on iTunes, listen to it straight off the web, whatever you want to do, twbcss.com, catch up on it. But if we're going to be serious about giving more and loving all, it's going to be because we're going to be intentional about it. And in the Christmas days of holiday busyness, which is nothing more than misdirected potential, where do we find time to stop and actually love all? To show love to those who need to be loved on. It amazes me that we, we as Christians celebrate this time of year more than anything else. Yet it's the time of year when suicide rate is the highest. Do we understand the problem? If we're truly loving all and not worried about our misdirected potential, maybe the suicide rate will start to come down in the next couple years. I pray it does. Especially in the region where we have an effect as TWBC. Because we're going to begin to focus our potential on loving all and not holiday busyness. Because holiday busyness consumes us, but think of these three things. Everybody say time, Time. money, Money. and energy. Energy. Think of how much time, money, and energy we've spent since just the day after Thanksgiving. Since just the day after Thanksgiving this year, how much time, money, and energy we've spent doing stuff for people rather than loving all two people. Holiday busyness is very simply misdirected potential because all that stuff, that all that potential of time, money, and energy that we spent over here, if for one day we focused it all over here I'm loving all, what kind of an impact could we make? I want to start out with a quote from Dallas Willard. If you haven't ever read any of his stuff, um, I'm going to encourage you to do it, but be careful when you do it because he writes on such a crazy level with words that are like 20 letters long in every other sentence, so... I got to read like five pages and then go back and read it 10 times to even understand the first part of it. With this one quote he put very simplistically and I want to read it and it says this right here, the first act of love is to pay attention. The first act of love is to pay attention. Now I'm going to add something to it. The first act of love is to stop holiday busyness and to pay attention. And so, just for the next 20 minutes in this service, what I want you to do is stop all the holiday busyness that's going through your head, because most of y'all are leaving here going to Christmas at somebody's house today, and you're getting ready for Christmas at somebody's house Tuesday, Christmas Eve, so you can have Christmas Day actually on Christmas, Christmas Day, Amen. And then we miss it. So, if the first act of love is to pay attention, I want us to focus on those three areas of misdirected potential this morning time, money, and energy just for 20 minutes and pay attention to them just for a minute. But if we're gonna truly be able to love all and we pay attention to these things, I want us to read the Christmas story from another perspective. I want us to stop and we always read it out of the gospel of Matthew and out of the gospel of Luke, but I wanna read Christmas from God's point of view. I wanna read Christmas and what the Bible says about it, not from how we perceived it here on the earth where we're down here looking up and we see the angels above us, But actually, because the Bible says in Ephesians, we're seated with Christ in heavenly places, let's get God's perspective and see how Christmas looked, not down looking up, but up looking down. If you have your Bibles here this morning, open them to John chapter number 1. Because this shows how God viewed Christmas. John chapter number one and verse number one is where we're going to begin. Many of you have that first part memorized. I'm going to challenge you, if you don't have your Bible this morning, please bring your Bible in some form, whether it's paperback, electronic version, because I want you to get really familiar with using your Bible. I want you to have it on hand at you, with you, wherever you're at, so when you're walking around and somebody needs to be ministered to, you don't look up and say, where's the big screen? <laughs> Amen. A lot of people are in Walmart and and somebody needs ministering to and you need a verse of scripture so you look up to the big screen. Well, the big screen doesn't follow you around at Walmart, okay? So here's what I need you to do. I need you to become really familiar with using your Bible and have it with you whenever you can use it. And so... To understand Christmas from God's perspective, I want to read John 1. And it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. They were in, and I'm going to add some of of my paraphrase in here. And they were up in heaven dwelling together. And he was with God in the beginning, and all things were made through him. And without him, not anything was made that that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jump down on to verse 9. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and to his own people, yet his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, but of, or, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. And the word became flesh flesh. And dwelt among us and we have seen his glory as of the only son from the father full of grace and full of truth verse 16 from his fullness we have received grace upon grace for the law was given through Moses grace and truth came through Jesus Christ see God had a whole different perspective of Christmas Day than we did. Our Christmas perspective always starts out that there was a young lady named Mary, and she was pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. And before they were married, she ended up be, uh, having be, conceiving a baby by the Holy Spirit. And and she was and they went to uh, the town of Bethlehem, and she was uh, in a stable, and the baby was born in a manger, and the the skies opened up, and the heavenly host Christmas choir said, "Glory to God in the highest." And we always read about it from that perspective. But God's perspective was this. God's perspective of Christmas was, I love them. Not just some of them, all of them. And as we're talking about loving all today, and how the first act of love is to pay attention, and if we really begin to stop and pay attention to three main areas of our life since Thanksgiving moving forward, the time, the money, and the energy that we spent, think how much Christmas would look like God's version of Christmas, rather than Hallmark's version of Christmas. Think how much Christmas would actually change and be rearranged and and things would be different in our lives. And so as we talk about time, just for a minute... God did not just do something for you. He did something to you when he sent Jesus Christ, his one and only son. God did not just do something for us when he sent a savior. He did something directly to us. God said in the midst of all the time, of all eternity that I have, God said, I am the alpha, I am the omega, I am the beginning, I am the end. I contain time. Time does not contain me, God says. Amen. Amen. See a lot of people get get upset with God because they don't work on our time. Listen, God can't work on our time. He's outside of our realm of time. <laughs> Amen. God, if he began to work on our time, would have to encapsulate himself once again like Jesus, come down in the form of flesh again, and live here on this earth again. So when God said, I'm coming down in the flesh by myself, he didn't do something for us, Jeff. He did something to us. He said, it's not good enough for me to sit up here and show them signs in the heavens, send prophet after prophet that they're not going to listen to. I can't do something for them anymore. I've got to do it to them personally so God decided this he didn't decide he would stop time he decided I'm gonna split time I'm gonna split it between BC and AD I'm gonna stop and I'm gonna make such a mark to the people I love I'm gonna come to them in person I'm gonna stop time and he stopped time and now we have BC and we have AD and for 33 years Christ walked upon this earth and as he walked upon this earth time and time and time again he was ministering he was loving he was healing the sick He was taking care of the needy and the poor. And I find it really ironic when the sinful people came to him, he didn't condemn them. He loved them even more. (laughs) Amen. He loved them even more because he realized these are sheep without a shepherd. And his love and his compassion made him come down and stop time and split time between B.C. and A.D. But what if God just decided doing something for us was good enough and he didn't want to do it to us? See, the one thing about God is he is longing for a relationship with you. He's longing for a relationship to love on you and to be personally acquainted with you. God didn't see it good enough to just sit up in heaven anymore and let time go by. God said, I'm gonna stop all this business and I'm gonna show all the world how powerful I am. I'm even gonna split time, B, C, and A, D. And I'm gonna come down and I'm gonna do something to them that will change the world that they live in. When is the last time, I'm not asking you to stop time in the globe and split B, C, and A, D again, but when is the last time you stopped your timeline? You stop your timeline to simply love somebody. I get, this, I get this common statement all the time. Pastor, so-and-so's been on my heart. How are they doing? <laughs> Pastor, I've been missing so-and-so. How are they doing? I don't know, call them. And what I find really ironic is you'll text me to find out how somebody else is doing and have a conversation with me about so-and-so and ask me how they're doing when it would have been a lot quicker just to text them. But see, it's easier to do something for somebody than to do something to somebody. It's easier to contact them Um, through me or get in touch with them through me or for me, as the example was last week, rather than to go right to them and say, you know, Miss Janney, you've really been on my heart, girl. You've been on my heart, and I'm stopping my timeline today just to ask you how you're doing. Love all. The funny thing is, I'm just talking about the church. We hadn't even gotten to the lost world yet. That's right. What would happen if in your workplace, you know you got lost people that work with you, And you've been watching some of them for quite some time, wondering why they act the way they act. Why don't they believe in the same Jesus that I believe in, that I am so passionate about, that I am here on Christmas Sunday morning, that I am in love with? Why don't they love him the way I love him? Probably because they haven't experienced the love from God that you have yet. And if God placed you in their life, in their timeline, with your timeline, maybe it's time to stop your timeline and check on how a lost person's doing that you may not even like. Stop your timeline for a minute. I'm curious over the next three days between now and Christmas day, when the season of giving is at its highest and the season of spending is even higher, will we stop our timeline and simply ask, how are you doing? See, Jesus didn't, God just didn't wanna stay up in heaven. He said, if Christmas is gonna become real, I'm gonna come down there and personally ask them how they're doing. See what's going on in their life. I'm gonna stop time. I'm gonna split it right down the middle. And what if all the time we spent driving down the road to shopping mall, to shopping mall, to shopping mall, however many trips you've made between here and Rockwall in the past three weeks, however many trips you made between here and Allen and Frisco and Mesquite and all these, Garland, all these other places you love to go shopping, how many times did we stop our timeline, split time, to come into the life of somebody who doesn't know Jesus? The reason I ask that is because God decided to stop time, split time, and to come into our life because we didn't know him anymore. We just read it. He came to his own people, and his own people didn't know him. When are we going to stop our timeline and go to somebody who doesn't know him? Let's talk about money just for a minute. Everybody say money. money. You can smile when you say money because I'm not taking up an offering right now. Okay. <laughs> Usually you say money in church, everybody gets a frown. No, we're not taking up an offering right now. So you can say money and smile, and I pray you got lots of it to be generous with. Amen. Let's talk about money and how much money have we really spent I'm loving all. And how much money have we really spent just doing stuff? Name me three Christmas gifts that you got last year. Anybody, stand up and just name them. See, how much time has we really spent? Boots, jeans, from who? There you go. You got a good boyfriend. All the other ladies are like, honey. <laughs> Boots, jeans, come on. Here's the thing. Most of us, if we really sit down to it, we can't remember what we got last year. We, most of us don't even have a clue what we got last year. I mean, I can generically say clothes, clothes, Because I get clothes every year. That's all I ever get. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't say that as a bad thing. You guys act like I'm doing something wrong here. In fact, if you would know when we go shopping, I'm like, honey, let's go over here and here. So clothes is not a bad thing for me, okay? Now, here we go. Most of us can't remember what we spent our money on. Most of us can't remember what we got, so I'm going to ask you, did you spend your money loving all, or did you spend your money doing stuff? Better yet, husbands, what did you get for your wife for Christmas last year? Most of us can't remember what we even bought our spouse last year unless we spent an insane amount of money, okay? And I'll just tell him i honey, I don't remember what I got you last year. And she's trying to remember. <laughs> and we're the pastors, come on. <laughs> and so in this, did we spend money loving all, or did we spend money doing stuff? And my heart begins to break because... I know out there there's people who are in need of a lot more than a $5 gift bag. And I love how we gave more this year. But I'm going to ask you in the true spirit of giving more, did you not spend the money on your kids that you were going to spend on your kids to buy one of these? I didn't. I simply came up with extra money. Nobody in my house is going without a present because I bought a present for somebody else. Do we understand the point that I'm getting at here on giving more? See, the understanding of this comes down to this. If God knew the answer to our problems was money, he would have sent Jesus as an entrepreneur. If God knew that money was to save the world, he would have made Jesus an entrepreneur. The Bible says, unto you, born this day in the city of David, I've sent a savior Not an entrepreneur. He said, I sent a savior to you. And so in the midst of loving all, God didn't send us uh, to people that, or God didn't send us a person with a bunch of money to try and buy us out of our need. He sent us a savior to love us out of our deficit of sin debt. Did you catch that? He sent us a Savior to set aside all the things that the world would look at. Of What do we need in a king? What do we need in a Savior? He said, I'm going to show you what a Savior is. And he sent Jesus Christ in earthly form, the Word of God made flesh, to save us from our sins, the Bible says. And in the saving us from our sins, we think all the time in the church, the answer is more money, more money, more money. No, the answer is not more money. The answer is more Jesus, more Jesus more Jesus, Amen. more Jesus. Amen. And heaven forbid, I mean, you've got a hand clap of praise this morning. And I say it like this, heaven forbid we should ever forget that name. Even though the world looks at it as a curse word, we look at it as our saving grace. That is the name the Bible says, given unto men by which we must be saved. There, that name given unto men, the Bible says, there is no name greater. That name given unto men, that every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, the Bible says. So in the midst of all the stuff and all the stuff we spend money on, have we spent money on Jesus being the savior of the world or have we spent money on stuff saying we're loving all? In the midst of all our misdirected potential, how many people are getting saved because of the Christmas gifts we bought? Now I'm not saying you can't buy Christmas gifts for your family, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just showing the potential that's really in the church. I'm showing the potential that's really in the body of Christ. If we wanted to, as the body of Christ, as much money as we spend at Christmas time, and and this is the reason that uh, the day after Thanksgiving is called Black Friday, it's because when businesses that are retail businesses, they operate in debt all year long until that one day of the year, and they sell so much stuff that one day of the year, it brings their books from the red to the black. It brings them from a place where they're failing as a business to being in a place where we are blessed as a business. And if all that potential of all that money will bring businesses, huge businesses, from the red to the black. Think of the potential of the church. If we really wanted to, we could change the world. Uh, If we really wanted to, if we set our heart to it, to love all, it would not be impossible to change the world. The amazing thing is that God says, I've given you all this potential. And church, I'm going to ask you today, is your holiday busyness just misdirected potential for what God says I can do to you and through you? in the world that we live in. Everybody say this last word when we say time. You you can't buy time, you can't make more time. Damon, we both got 24 hours in every day, how you use it and how I use it. You know, when we use it and spend it, it's gone, we can never get it back. Time, we got time and we split B, C, and A, D. We got money and what we do with all this time and all this money, what do we expend the most? Energy. Out of all the time, all the money, what do we spend the most of our life? We spend the most energy that we've ever spent. We've spent it in the form of gasoline. We've spent it in the form of staying up late at night. We've spent it in the form of we got to buy more coffee because we stayed up too late last night. Now we got to get up early in the morning. Red Bulls if you like them. Five-hour energies for some of you. And we've expended all this crazy amount of energy. But have we spent this crazy amount of energy doing stuff or have we spent this crazy amount of energy loving all? Have we been doing stuff or have we been loving all with all the energy that God has given us. The Bible says this, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. What I love most about reading that verse is I read that God expended energy on us. God didn't just stop time. God didn't just realize that they needed more than money. They needed a savior. God spent from his own self energy to come here in the form of a man. And here's what I want you to realize. He didn't just come and stay a baby. God didn't just expend energy that night when Jesus was born and throw the heavens open and see the the angels Christmas chorus and, and bring people from afar coming in. He didn't just expend energy then. He expended energy for the day he was born. And for 33 years, Jesus Christ walked this earth. And God showed what he could do with his energy when he came into this earthly form. And then here's even the best part. He expended not just energy in his birth and his life, he expended a greater amount of energy in his death than we could ever imagine. But here's the best part. Here's the greatest part. I believe when God spent the greatest amount of energy was on Easter Sunday morning. When God said, look, I've came down in the flesh. I've lived with you for 33 years. I've even died for you. But I'm going to show you what real energy is now. And energy is not like we use as energy. Energy is his resurrection power of energy. So God said on Easter Sunday morning, he said, I'm going to call my son up from the grave. And Jesus didn't come up from the grave empty handed. The Bible says he came up from the grave and he held the keys of death and hell and he led captivity captive and he brought the captives freedom all at the time when God said come forth out of the grave God spent some energy on us he spent it to the point that I'm not saying he exhausted himself because you can't exhaust an inexhaustible God it's impossible but hear me on this God exerted energy and when Christ was raised again from the dead he didn't just give you life the Bible said he gave you new life abundant life he gave you a life that's completely different than you are experiencing now and here's the thing I want some of you to know this morning that you are not too far away for God to reach you.